This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Some righteous Ica Mouse easing us into a cold and rainy, wintry January Monday evening on the bike show. We're going to try and brighten it up for you a little bit. Uh, something very special coming up in a minute um, and uh, a little bit more eek. Too many people being run down on the roads in London and elsewhere. But we don't let that stop us riding our bikes and enjoying doing so. Nor does it stop us, some of us at least, buying bicycles and... uh, I think at the last count I had about seven bikes. Um, One day I'll uh, tell you about them all. Um, I came over today to the studio on a rather nice German kind of sit-up-and-beg bike, a very stable ride, big wheels, big tyres, and a a comfortable ride on a very uh, soft German leather seat. Um, But a man who has allowed 
The collection of bicycles to reach something of epic proportions is a man called Paul Wanacott, who for the last 27 years or so has run a business called Treasure Chest 2 down in um, Devon, South Devon, just on the fringes of Dartmoor in a town called South Brent. He's running a business, taking in old bikes, uh, fixing them up and uh, moving them on uh, to new homes once they're all fixed up. But um, things have got a little bit out of control down um, in Paul's workshops and uh, the spaces um, around where he lives. And I went down to uh, talk to him down there at Treasure Chest 2. We're standing on your uh, terrace here with a fine view over the uh, foothills of Dartmoor and the fields out behind in the town of South Brent. And we're looking down onto an absolute cacophony of, of bicycles and a couple of sheds. So, Paul, talk me through um, the evolution of what we see before us. When I quit normal employment and thought, I'll do something I want to do rather than something that my education perhaps has dictated. And I opened a junk shop. At the time, there was a, a business called The Treasure Chest. And I went to the people who ran that and said, if I opened up a similar business, could I do it in, in the other building you've got? And they said, yes, yeah, fine. The more junk shops there are in the same area, the more traders likely to be attracted. And so I, I did TC2, or Treasure Chest 2. In due course, we actually bought the treasure chest. For a while, my wife ran that, whereas I carried on with bicycles. Now we rent the shop out, but I've carried on with, as you can see, rather a lot of uh, bicycles. My idea originally was I'd buy in bikes, do them up and sell them, and I would guarantee that it would work. One of the few places now that will take an old machine and do it up and put it back on the roads. So should we go down and take a closer look? Mm, yes, I'll yes, by you. all means. Well, we're going down a nice uh, iron spiral staircase. Past a whole load of wheel rims. And then here there must be... You got any idea, Paul, about the number of bicycles that you've got here outside? Uh, I should think there's probably 100 to, to 150. Somebody said to me a little while ago, um, uh, how many bicycles did you have at the last count? And I said, six. They have multiplied. That tells you more about when the last count was than how many <laughs> well, bicycles well, you've got. Yes, yes, because they, they suddenly came and there's more and more. If I'm pressed, I said, well, probably about 800 altogether. Just coming actually into the, into the workshop area. All right, well, here we are in yeah. veritable Aladdin's yeah. cave. The original idea was is the two sections here. 
and I'd put a little barrier across and in the larger area of the workshop we could do the bicycles and the customers could come in and stand where we are and I was inside the door. Unfortunately I filled the area that I used to work in with bicycles that I don't want out in the rain and so my, my work area now is a very enclosed little space and everything is heaped up on either side. On either side. And there is actually a door leading into another area. And if you peer over the top of the door, yeah, well, I can the see debris some, I is can actually see some debris that's up, up to the height of the ceiling. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so it must be quite difficult uh, to find anything. I know where it all is. I've got that four-speed uh, <laughs> Sturmey Archer hub yes. from the early 60s, but where is it? <laughs> It's pretty good cycling country around here. Uh, hilly, though. Uh, what <laughs> yes. do you ride? Almost anything. But basically, I like three speeds. I like the older style. The classic bike. English roadster. Yeah, well, you see, TC2 originally was Treasure Chest 2. But now I prefer to think of it as traditional cycles of the 20th century. <laughs> These buildings that we we stand in are from another century. This one that I started off working from was a blacksmith's. Um, and then 10 yards away, another building that was also a blacksmith's. And the one I work from now was a slaughterhouse. And this little lane that the granite sets are, are wide enough for carts. And the history of this place is that that road was the main road to London or down to Plymouth and the stagecoaches rattled in. If they stayed overnight at the pub on the corner of the Anchor, this was the area that serviced both the horses and the customers. The meat that was slaughtered here in the slaughterhouse was stored in the cellar under the place where we live to serve as the stagecoach passengers. And the blacksmiths, of course, tube smithies to serve the one pub. Ladies of a certain age have come down and said, oh, I remember when I was a little girl, I used to bring my pony down here for Stan Stevens and he'd do, we'd do the, well, ah, yes, yes. Well, I carry on the same tradition the horses now are steel horses rather than live ones, but um, the tradition of, oh, can you do something about my buggy? Can you do something about my wheelchair? Can you... Yes, the blacksmiths would have been expected to do other items. And I like to think now uh, the tradition remains, so uh, probably not when I do retire. As a aficionado and mechanic working in the industry for three decades almost, what have been the changes that you've observed? What people tend to buy themselves nowadays, the mountain bike, and think, oh, look, £60, I can buy a bike for my son. In order to produce a bike that is going to sell for £60, say, the most important person in producing that bicycle is probably sitting on a telephone trying to find out where the cheapest components can be bought. You may very well get tires 
from Indonesia and perhaps something from South Korea, something from China, something from India. You find out who is supplying a saddle or brake cable or something at the best price and arrange for that all to be shipped off to mainland China where they'll be assembled into a machine that may well actually be available at that point for about £12. And you can have it in whichever colour, with, with whichever name on it that you want. So then you can afford to sell it for 60 or if you have a special offer, 49 99 But of course it's not actually specifically designed as a good working machine. Um, the brake levers may be suitable for an adult hand, but may be a bit difficult to reach for a small child who's nine or ten years old and can't quite reach the brake lever. And the cables are all one length, and so you get great loops of cable on a small bike, which is also inefficient. It is the attention. A lot of the earlier bikes here, you can look at, and in three or four places, you'll be able to identify the maker. And at one time, to have a reasonable bike would have cost two weeks' wages. Uh, this has always been base, basically a costing of a, of a presentable bike. Well, two weeks' wages now might be £800. And if you go into Holford, yes, there are lots and lots of bikes at that price. And if you say, oh, where's the 79.99 bicycle you said mountain bikes from? And you disappear off into the small, darkest, furthest corner of the store, and there is the, the 79.99 bike. But frankly, it is not as good as the more expensive machines. What about some of the bikes that you particularly like? Hmm. You must have quite a uh, collection. Well, if we <laughs> wander around, um, here is something. Now that is a very old sit-up-and-beg bike. So this also is a, a kind rally, of classic roadster, really, yes, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. a standard. My father had this type of thing. And when I got a bike for passing the scholarship, finally, I had something similar to this, but mine was red and much more up-to-date. Yeah, yeah. But it still would have cost my father about two weeks' wages, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. way back in about 1953. But his bike looked like this, quite a heavy thing. And of course, people say, oh, I don't know. It's all far too heavy. Only, internal gears. Only three gears. Dyno hub on it as well. That slows it down. And, you know, in my youth... No, I wouldn't have wanted something like that. Far too heavy. But actually, when you compare that now in weight, oh yes, quite heavy. But when you compare it to the full suspension mountain bike, that is the current thing for children, they probably weigh a little bit more than this. And they aren't nearly so well made. A sound from the past, a revolving bell. Now, the machine we looked at just now is 1948 or 1949. This is from a similar period. This one, the other, another old-fashioned, fairly heavy machine, a BSA. Well, this is quite interesting. That, it says made in England, yes. but then it's got a lot of um, yes. Chinese writing on it. Well, you see, it's actually it. been imported from Singapore. 
Okay, it was made in England it, and sold in Singapore. Well, it was sold. Yes, it would have been exported, and then the shop that supplied it is in Singapore, and then it's come back to this country again. But it is a fairly typical old-fashioned bicycle, but with white wall tyres, 26 by 1 and 3 eighths. But that machine is actually from the early 60s. Uh, they, they carried on making these very, almost what you might call a policeman style of bike. It has a lock on the forks. And that was part of an old style. The wheels are stainless steel. But, but as I say, you know, barely run in really, 1960s. Only about 40 years old now. Uh, but this heavy, old-fashioned. And it's that type of thing, when I can put them back on the roads, that people say, oh, wonderful. It's the people who rather like a Morris Minor. Of late, of course, the demand has been more for the mountain bike, for the up-to-date bike. And I've been able to, you know, I rattle through a more modern bike fairly quickly. What I'm hoping to do now is going to close for three months and hopefully just try and arrange it so that I can come out in the morning and go straight into the workshop rather than spend the first three quarters of an hour pulling everything out so I can get there. It's my intention now, to hopefully, to get rid of a lot of these. <sighs> and then I think, oh, but not that one. Oh, no, not that one. No, I rather like that one. And so I end up not getting rid of them. My wife wants me to retire. I mean, at 66, pushing 67. <sighs> My wife wants us to do things that old people do, like have a holiday, go out with the grandchildren. But I said, oh no, I must, I must open that. I must get this. And at the end of the day, I go in again, having spent the last three quarters of an hour of the day shoving them all away again and thinking, what do I do? I don't know. Uh, nothing really has changed very much. Uh, right, there's tomorrow. Tomorrow I will. And uh, no, no, really, I must, I must actually look at... The lightweight Bianchi bicycle that is true quality. Again, you used to pick up a bicycle and weigh it. And the trade over many, many years would say, this weighs in at 22 pounds. And it could be a racing bike with 531 tubing and be a wonderful machine. Or it could have been a penny farthing. There's an early advert for a penny farthing that set the holds a record from Birmingham to London and it weighed in at 22 pounds. You take a modern mountain bike that may be aiming at a boy of eight and you pick it up and feel the weight of it and think, my God, if a child fell over with that bike on his leg, oh, I hate to think what would happen. Very disappointing. And so are you still taking in new bikes? I mean, uh, old, or old bikes, well, new, new stock, as it were. Don't tell my wife, but yes, I mean, occasionally, if we've run off to the recycling centre to, to throw away 
some rubbish. Uh, and there is an aluminium frame bike sitting on the edge of the skip or waiting to go into the skip. Oh no, what a terrible waste. Um, and I run back here and I add it to the, to the bicycles and suddenly think, oh, well, there goes my idea of getting rid of some. And indeed, the, the BSA bicycle there was in a skip. It was, it was ready. The, the Singapore to, special. The Singapore bicycle was in a skip. And I brought it back and I added it to my stock. Well, that's got to be a good deed in well, anybody's book, I would say. I, we talk about recycling. If something like that comes and I know I can put it back on the roads and make it into a wonderful machine again with a guarantee that everything is working and it'll be a pleasure to ride even on the hills of Devon. Yes, I will do it. But on the other hand, I really must get rid of something. I really must... Because if I disappear, and when I had a heart operation two and a half years ago, there was a slight option that I might not come back, and then what's going to happen to all this rusting metal? Uh, well, I said, oh, I'll get a skip. All right, you pay £200 for a skip, and you load it up with 100 quid's worth of bicycles. Actually, it may well take rather more than one skip. I would think perhaps 20 skips might make a difference at £200 a time. Ah, no. No, 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 no. No, I'll work through them. I'll get rid of them. I'll, I'll work on some and sell them. And I'll, I'll, um, perhaps you might go off and do car boot sales and I'll sell wheels and saddles and second-hand bits. Then who's going to fit them? Even now, people are begging me to repair their bike, to look at it, just to service it for their children. Otherwise, they have to throw it away and go back into Holford's and spend another 60 quid on the next bike. <sighs> yes, yes. The places like this don't exist anymore because it isn't viable. This business makes a loss every year. Even when it was fully functional, it isn't viable.
if I ever can get up off of this old heart killing flow, Lord, I'll never get out this low no more. Well, my very great thanks to Paul Wanacott and um, you really do have to see uh, the bicycles that he has to believe it. Uh, there's a picture that will go on the website uh, very shortly and um, I think it's really a terrible thing that um, people like Paul who take in old bicycles that are perfectly fixable uh, and, sell, and sell them on for a decent price to people and they get a good long lease of additional life those kind of places are fewer and further between uh, there are a few in London places like that but um, you always see oh that one's closed, that one's closed um, and it's all about the disposable society about buying things new when you could quite easily make do with something older It's probably something originally a little bit better made and certainly something with a better story couple of minutes that's left before we head into the world of Guitar Man on a Monday evening on Resonance FM, Saturday evening if you're listening to the repeat show. I'm going to use the time to uh, go over a few interesting kind of cultural events that have a little bit of a cycling angle that you might be interested coming up um, in London and further afield the next few weeks. Um, at the uh, New London Architecture um, placed down on Store Street, which is a kind of architecture uh, centre. There's an exhibition up until the 23rd of February called Waterfront London, and that's got an exhibition of lots of ideas about how London can better use the waterfront. Obviously, we were talking about that last week with uh, cycling access to the waterfront down at the Bankside under threat. Um, and there's a series of breakfast talks, which looks kind of like the highlight of of um, this uh, uh, exhibition running up till the 23rd of February and the uh, the talks are um, on Wednesdays uh, by the looks of things um, the first one's already been um, but there are uh, talks every Wednesday from 8.30 to 9.30 up there on Store Street just off the Tottenham Court Road um, looking at rural docks looking at the 21st century role for London's historic waterways um, looking at flood risk looking at um, proposals to, to uh, enhance the waterways in the future and also looking interestingly on the 20th of February at uh, the River of Light, a lighting scheme to redefine, re-energise and unite the environment along the River Thames. And while you're there, you can take in a look at the designs for London 2012, the Vela Park, 
Um, and this is the Velodrome BMX mountain bike track road um, park that's going to be uh, on the Olympic site and there are various designs in there um, and concepts um, to have a look at and so that's a kind of two for one and then um, on the 30th of January um, at the Italian Cultural Institute in London there's a conversation um, between Italian writer Ugo Ricciarelli who is a uh, author of a book that's just been published in its English translation called Copy's Angel. Um, obviously, a connection with Fausta Copy there, a story about uh, Fausta Copy, but it's a collection of um, sports writing, um, uh, not just cycling. And uh, he is going to be in conversation with Richard Williams, who is the excellent chief sports writer of The Guardian, um, knows a thing or two about the Tour de France. And uh, they will be in conversation on Wednesday, the 30th of January, um, at the Italian Cultural Institute um, at 6.30 in the evening. And finally, um, the Bicycle Film Festival 2008 is open for new submissions. Uh, deadline is the 19th of February, um, and you can find out more about that at the uh, Bicycle Film Festival's website, and there'll be a link to that from The Bike Show's website, which is www.thebikeshow.net. Um, the Bike Film Festival depends on um, entries from um, people like us, not necessarily professional filmmakers, getting out there on our bikes making films about why we love it. Uh, next up, Guitar Man, have a great week, stay dry and stay safe. Chapeau.